Udi. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, I'm Lisa Francesca Nand and this is the Big Travel Podcast Christmas and New Year's special. Merry Christmas, everyone, and all that. Gosh, that year has gone so quickly for me. It feels like the quickest one yet, I feel. Uh, in this post-pandemic world we now inhabit. And thank goodness for those of us who love travel and also who have friends and family abroad, we are able to travel freely in the most part, if only we can afford it, of course, now. For my travels this year, I've been able to go back and forth to see my lovely family in my beloved Spain and, uh, of course, my friends there as well. And I've had a couple of truly wonderful solo trips this year, one um, which was in the summer in Ibiza, uh, which as a single mum working with very little time to myself was just incredible. I only went for three nights, but it felt like a week away. And to just have that freedom to just chill out in the sunshine and do nothing and go out at night, of course, um, was just amazing. And another trip was actually back in February to see my brother in LA, um, which again felt like the most relaxing thing in the world. It's actually, it was quite a quick turnaround to go to California. Well, I have been to, I went to India once for three nights and Florida once for three nights so I have been on a few small trips through work but I went for five nights in LA and and six nights altogether because I had one on the plane but the whole thing just felt relaxing and fabulous and you know when you're operating like on a higher level you just feel excited all the time I was even standing in my brother's kitchen having a cup of tea and he's like you're okay we're not really doing much I was like I'm having an amazing time again maybe just the joy of traveling after so long or the relaxation of not having the responsibility that I usually have at home I don't know but I I never forget my love of travel but things like that really sort of uh, hammer at home to me so I've had a few amazing trips and I don't know about you I know a lot of people like winter and love skiing and love winter holidays and snowy holidays and that sort of thing but during the winter I really 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 miss the sunshine and if money was no object I would spend every January possibly February out of the country somewhere hot I've been lucky enough to spend Christmas in many countries around the world um, but since having kids it's also nice to be with family and to stay home and for me home means either the UK or Spain and this year thankfully we're in Spain getting some mild sunshine but uh, definitely better better than some of the zero temperatures we've had back home but I am a sun seeker and of course here in the northern hemisphere we do tend to think of Christmases as a cold and ideally snowy affair if you look at all our 
Christmas cards and that sort of thing. It's been a while since I was able to go somewhere really hot over Christmas, but to kick off our Christmas special, we have a few of our guests who've been attracted to Christmas in the sun. Starting off with the wonderful Alex Caprenos, lead singer of Friends Ferdinand, who I was overjoyed to have on the podcast this year. It felt just like sitting down in a pub or a cafe with a mate, and that's exactly how my favourite conversations for the podcast go. So here is Alex Caprenos, followed by podcaster and author Izzy Lawrence in Australia, South African charity man and author Kevin Chaplin in Cape Town, celebrity vet Mark Abraham in Thailand and author and bird expert Hannah Bourne Taylor speaking of Christmas in Ghana where she rescued a pangolin in the heat of a rainforest. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hi, this is Alex Capranos from France Ferdinand. And uh, I remember the first time I spent Christmas in the Southern Hemisphere. I was in the, the South Island of New Zealand, uh, staying on the coast. And Christmas days used to be the day when you'd sort of like open the curtains, desperate to see a, a dusting of snow on the ground so you could run through and trample through it and feel that great sensation of breaking the first fall under, underneath, underfoot. And it felt so bizarre to walk out of the place I was staying and walk onto the beach and feel the warm sand underneath my feet instead. Uh, and it felt, it felt surreal, but uh, quite thrilling as well. I, I was with my girlfriend at the time and uh, we went for a walk through like a national park. It was pretty much like jungle. And uh, uh, yeah, it, it was a great experience. I, like I, I loved it. And what, what was particularly thrilling about it was having a, an experience, which is familiar, like walking through woodland essentially, but not recognizing any of the flora at all. Like, it, like the, the, the shapes of the leaves the colour of the bark on the trees, even the colour of the earth just looked unfamiliar and just slightly different from anything that you'd experienced before. And uh, yeah, it, it was, again, as if you'd been from a, your, your accepted reality and into one that was unfamiliar. And uh, yeah, I, I loved it. Uh, a, a good experience. But at the same time, feeling slightly homesick for like, because I was away from my family and kind of thought, oh, maybe it would have been nice to be like a, uh, under the tree and exchanging presents. Hello, I'm Izzy Lawrence. I'm a podcaster and an author, and I do a travel show with Sean Keaveney called Your Place on Mine. But I remember one Christmas very well, and that is because I was with my family in Melbourne, Australia. Now, if you've never had a Christmas in uh <laughs> the uh, um, Antipodes. It is very different to one back home. Um, for one, it is light at about 4am 
and it stays light until about 10pm. It is an amazingly hot time. And in Melbourne, it wasn't just hot, it was muggy. And it was really intense muggy. And we were eating outside. It was a beautiful, classic Christmas spread of, uh, I think it was literally prawns on the barbie, is what it was. It was <laughs> fish, it was all of these wonderful, glorious, lovely foods. And as we were eating this, and this heavy electric storm started... Um, and it, like the whole air, it felt like you were swimming the entire time. When you're breathing, it was like being in the greenhouse at Kew Gardens. It was incredible. And then hailstones just started to fall. And when I say hailstones, we always think, what? you know, here in Britain, oh, they, oh, I know what they're like. They're a bit like sprinkles. And they just sort of sprinkle down. These things were the size of not small marbles, but large marbles. And I know that because me and my stepbrother, Rob, played with them afterwards as if they were marbles. They were huge. Some of them were the size of golf balls. They'd smashed one of the car windows in the street. It was incredible Christmas just for that reason. I also remember I twisted my ankle by jumping down an entire stairs, but that's probably, you know, that was like a whole whole flight of wooden stairs and I just landed at the bottom and twisted my ankle. And I, I heard a crunch, but I thought, <laughs> it's fine. It will be fine. Carry on. It was. <laughs> Carry it was. on. It's Christmas. But That's yes. like some sort of biblical weird hail at Christmas event in the sunshine, it was, right? It was, it was quite a sort of, uh, it was quite a strange thing because it had been so beautiful and hot and then suddenly it was muggy and the, it felt like the clouds were about an inch above your head. It was like really heavy. And then the electrical storm was very mild, but the hail just went, it was going from absolutely nothing to pujung. And these things, if they hit you, I think we would have suffered a severe injury. <laughs> they were very, very large. Um, but it was, it was really cool. And it's that thing about Australia. It just sort of takes you by surprise. You can, you know, you can see amazing creatures and you know, there are tiny little spiders which can kill you. And there are ti- they're huge spiders, ones that, um, I think they're called huntsman spiders. Yeah. And I remember being sat, this is when I was much smaller, being sat on the grass next to a huntsman spider and realising that its back leg was at my hip and its front leg was at my toe. So Ooh. it was entirely the length of my leg. <laughs> and I, I, and I, I've never really, I've, I've, I'm scared of spiders, but I'm not like, I like I, it's a visceral reaction. I'm not scared of spiders. I just have the initial like Ugh, spider, but then I'm fine with them once I know where they are and what they're doing. We can chill, you know. I find that that's fine. If I talk to the spider, me and the spider get along. Spiders the size of spiders the size of your leg, though, you know. They're, they're, story. Those are the ones that they're the ones that cause the most car crashes. Those because their <laughs> favorite place they like they like to hide in really like tight spaces, and the best place they have is you know where um, if you're driving and you've got the sunlight in your eyes and you lower the sun um, mm. guard that's where they love to hide so they <gasps> love to hide just in that gap in that gap and so you pull that down the spider just drops on your lap and you crush the car and die not because the spider bit you or anything like that the spider's just having a little snooze and you woke it up <laughs> your fault brilliant love it this is kevin chaplin here from cape town south africa saying hi to all of you and wishing everybody an amazing christmas time uh, we have summer in Christmas, so it's totally different to what you have in, U- U- in the UK with all the snow and the beautiful markets and the lights. But we do still celebrate Christmas, even though it's very hot, sometimes as hot as 35 degrees. Uh, what I try and do, what I did for my daughters when they were young, and I do it for my grandchildren now, we wake up early in the morning and I put flour, um, cake flour out so it looks like snow on the carpet 
and um, put some footprints so that Father Christmas has come down the chimney. Uh, and and because that's the only way you can see it through the snow. And then we have our Christmas tree and all our gifts around there. And and we just celebrate and have an amazing lunch on Christmas Day. So I wish you, I, I, I would love to be there in the snow and the beauty, but we wish you a warm, warm Christmas from South Africa. Hi, my name is Mark Abraham. Um, I'm a vet and animal welfare campaigner and author. And one of my fondest memories for being abroad at Christmas was I think in Thailand, uh, where quite a few of us built a Christmas tree out of sand on one of the most beautiful beaches in the world on in uh, Rayleigh. Um, and that was quite, it was always quite surreal to be abroad at Christmas, but definitely that was, that was one of the fondest memories. Rayleigh is one of my favourite, Rayleigh Beach. Favourite beaches in And the it world. was that one where you walk through the, the, the little uh, alleyway with the monkeys and yeah. come out on that beach. Yeah, it's, those cheeky monkeys. Yeah, the cheeky monkeys. And stuff. Yeah, it was, um, yeah, that was definitely one, one of my favourite places in the world. And to be there at Christmas was, it's quite moving as well, because you kind of, you start thinking about everyone else you know in the world. But yeah, it was a, it wasn't a bad place to hang out. So I'm Hannah Bourne-Taylor. I'm a nature writer and my debut nature memoir is called Fledgling. And it's all about a tiny bird and how it changed my life. Um, and I lived in Ghana for seven years in rural grasslands, like nowhere near a city. And Christmases were very different. So most of the time, uh, to me, Christmas is English, normally really cold Christmas day with all my family and a big dinner and, and booze and yeah, very family orientated and very cold. And Ghana Christmases are completely different. Um, really, really hot. Uh, in fact, one of the hottest months of the year is December. And I spent one Christmas rescuing a pangolin. It wasn't actually on Christmas Day, but there was tinsel up in some of the supermarkets in the city, which is also so surreal when you see tinsel in a really hot country and palm trees and things. Um, and Ghanaians tend to play really, really loud music for celebrations. And so it's not Christmas music, but uh, really just loud music everywhere for Christmas. Um, and there I was managing to negotiate the life of a pangolin. Who uh, Pangolins have been... Uh, there's been a trade ban since 2017 on pangolins uh, because they're they're really really in trouble um, in terms of extinction, and they're the world's most trafficked species. And so I went on pangolin patrol with a conservation organisation, found this pangolin being sold as a bushmeat, but was still alive, and so rescued the pangolin and then took it back to his home in Atua Forest, which is an incredible rainforest, a uh, massive massive rainforest where you suddenly you feel like a very tiny human being and and not not very significant and so there I was walking through a sweaty rainforest holding an incredibly precious creature instead of being you know somewhere in the countryside of Britain freezing and walking and eating and drinking (laughs) very different as I said before one of my favorite trips this year was my aforementioned trip to California and I was lucky enough to head down to Malibu where the next guest lives yes we were lucky enough to get Hollywood actress Minnie Driver on the podcast this year what a cute here's Minnie telling us about her typical California beach Christmas Hi, this is Minnie Driver and my Christmas tradition where I live in California is usually my family comes to stay with me and walking on the beach for miles and miles and for hours is the post-lunch tradition now. And it's, um, you run into 
all your friends and neighbors also walking on the beach and we have super low tides in the winter. So it's winter beaches, um, is maybe my, my second most favorite beach. Um, but that's always what I look forward to at Christmas is the long walk after it. Of course, Christmas here, as we know it, is often in the cold. And if you think of the Hallmark-style movie Christmas, it's all snow and Christmas trees and ice skating and bumping into a hunky guy, rescuing a girl from the city, going to live in the countryside. But for me, I think New York City is one of the quintessential movie places for Christmas movies as well. Here we have comedian and podcaster Callie Beaton in New York doing just all the typical things you'd expect one to do around Christmas time there. We also have the wonderful singer-songwriter Nina Nesbitt remembering Christmas in Iceland and wanting to recapture the magic of a winter wonderland. I'm Kelly Beaton. I'm a comedian, a fellow podcaster and a speaker. So my Christmas travel favourite story, I've done a couple of trips on Christmas Day, but I did one when my kids were, I don't know, probably seven and ten, that kind of age. And we flew to New York on Christmas Day. We had air miles and I'd won a thing where we had a a suite at a hotel for, I think, for two nights. And then I had a friend's place I was going to be able to stay at in, in Greenwich Village for another three nights. And we flew actually on Christmas Day. And the idea of doing that, just leaving the UK, the flight actually wasn't that busy. I don't think many people travel on Christmas Day. And we ended up being served a proper, like I say proper, you know, we were at the back of the plane, but as proper as food is at the back of a plane, uh, Christmas lunch. So it was like turkey and sprouts and all of that. And then we landed in New York. I guess it would have been like four or five o'clock and we went straight out, we got to the hotel and then we went straight out and just seeing, I think it was my kids' first ever time that they've gone to New York and just seeing New York on Christmas Day with the lights, the ice skating in Central Park, how they do, you know, Fifth Avenue, how the shops are lit up. And I remember it was like jet lag wasn't even a thing. We were out for like five or six hours and it was it was like a sort of New York movie about Christmas. So I think that probably sums up Christmas is, is, is yeah, New York on Christmas Day. It doesn't get much more Christmassy than that. When I moved to down south to London, I couldn't believe how hot the summers were. I was honestly in shock. Like I just thought the whole of the UK was as cold as Scotland. So I don't really go abroad in the summer. So I like to go on holiday near Christmas. I just think like I need, I need a holiday then. I need a bit of sun. But um, the most magical holiday I had just before Christmas a couple of years ago was to Iceland. And I know it's not obviously sunny, but <laughs> it was just amazing. I felt like I'd been to Mars. And it just, yeah, it just made me like want to have a holiday like that every year before Christmas. Although probably not this year because <laughs> just try to pay the, pay the bills. But um, yeah, it was just incredible. And we did um, one of these kind of like bus tour things. Like normally I'd rather get an Airbnb and sort of figure my own way around wherever I am. But we got on a bus and we did all the arranged tours and I'm so glad we did it because I think in Iceland, somewhere like that, driving is so difficult because of the weather and like the roads. It's just crazy. And just being taken around everywhere was magical. We've seen like the big waterfall, we've seen the Blue Lagoon, all of that. And it's just the perfect way to kind of start the Christmas holidays. So we'd recommend Iceland to anyone. 
One of the most important things about Christmas for many of us is getting time to spend with friends and family. And I loved the conversation I had with contemporary artist Farouz Farman Farmayan, who really is a citizen of the world. For his Christmas story, Farouz remembers Christmas with his father in his Persian Marrakesh house in Morocco. This is followed by campaigner Jamie Klingler in Philadelphia bookstores with her lovely mum, the Mambo brothers with their parents in Rio, and Mark Rahola in Ibiza. Greetings, uh, I am Firuz Farwan Farmayan, contemporary artist, curator, multidisciplinary artist, and uh, a musician. I'm based south of Spain, but work internationally. My idea of an original Christmas is spending it with my father in Marrakesh, him being a Muslim Sufi, me being educated as a Catholic into a hybrid form of celebration. We do have a tree, but at the same time, we don't celebrate exactly the birth of Jesus. We just celebrate it as a family reunion. What is also fantastic is that we are able to be together around family table and and, and and very incredibly have a blend of traditional Christmas food and Persian food, which I haven't seen anywhere. My father's house was built by my grandfather, that's a Persian architect, uh, but a modernist. So it has a very traditional construct to it, but at the same time has a very modern lines. Set um, in the Palmeret of Marrakesh, uh, with beautiful orange walls and a, and a very nice terrace and, and a lot of animals. We've got dogs and... Uh, and more. It, it's called al-Ferdos, meaning in Arabic, uh, as it is, uh, it would, as they speak Arabic in Morocco, the wise one. Marrakesh is constructed around the center. Marrakesh, is, you've got this, the, the old town, which is obviously the bazaar, the, what they call the souk, that's, the, that's built around a plaza that's called Jamalfna. Then you, it, it, it extends to what they call the modern town, the Gelis, that's been uh, constructed during the the colonial times, uh, which is on one the other side of the town, uh, where uh, all of let's say the administrative um, developments take place, and uh, then you have uh, the larger Marrakesh uh, with the roads that go to Fez and other roads that go towards different cities, where you have a, a forest of palm trees. They call it fresh the palmares, right? And you've got and you've got uh, quarters, quarters. You've got uh, neighborhoods there. And, uh, and, and houses, very nice houses. And uh, my father moved there in the 1990s. And, uh, and we, we, we have the, I have to say, the, the, the luck to have a very nice family home. My name's Jamie Klingler, and I'm one of the co-founders of Reclaim These Streets. Uh, Christmas for me was very much Christmas Eve at my mom's. So when we woke up at nine in the morning on Christmas Eve is when we would do our presents and go around and give the books and the pajamas and and then have um, a Christmas breakfast together before going to my grandmother's. And then my mom and I um, would always get a book gift certificate to Marlowe's, which was run by a Jewish couple. So it was open on Christmas Eve. And um, we would sneak away from my grandmoms and go and spend our Christmas book gift certificate every year um, by ourselves and probably spend too much time in the bookshelf or in the bookstore so my grandma would yell at us. But, But always having the joy of constant companions through books and the joy of reading is uh, probably the thing my mom most gave me. And I grew up in Philadelphia, so this was in Northeast Philly going to Marlowe Bookstore. Hi, I'm Christian. Hi, I'm Alan. And we are the... Mambo Brothers. A Christmas memory was the first time that we went with the full family, my mom and dad, to Brazil. And 
we checked in the hotel and my mum is like, oh, she looked at it's, it's Christmas right now in Spain. So we walked a few hundred metres, we were in front of a beach and we ordered some lovely food, like, well, fish on the grill and some chicken and, and a big bottle of skull. They're like really massive when you order them on the beach. And we were feet in the sand thinking, wow, it's Christmas right now in Spain because they were 12 hours in front, I think, from Brazil. I think it was, what was it, Rio we were in or... I don't know. Paulo. No, Rio. 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 So that was a magic moment on Christmas and the other side of the world from where we're from. Salvador de Bahia. Salvador de Bahia. Salvador. There we go. Salvador. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Christmas here in Ibiza, it's a time where, uh, first of all, the native people uh, has the, the opportunity to have a reunion with their families because sometimes uh, families here being in, in this island are split. So, for instance, my, my mother lives in a place, my sister lives in another place, out of, of Ibiza. So it is a moment in which we have reunion with uh, cousins, with uncles. So let, let's say that this is uh, also a moment that is special because it's the only, let's say, part of the year that there is this uh, possibility to have. Uh, that's by one side. Obviously, as it happens that, it's a good uh, moment that you also see all friends that also are split around the world, have uh, uh, if you think on uh, uh, friends that they live in US or in London or in Barcelona or in other places so it's also a very good moment for that so this is what we what I feel about uh, Christmas uh, uh, but uh, saying that uh, when you come from uh, uh, as a tourist here uh, you are able to find absolutely an open uh, island it's not closed uh, obviously, if you go to Playa and Bossa, the very big, uh, let's say, discotheques and hotels are closed. But there is a real, let's say, vibe in the island. There's uh, what we there's uh, a lot of sun still, and you are able to be in a fantastic spot in the in the middle of the of the island or or in a beach, and just uh, looking the the sun, uh, grabbing uh, a good dinner, a good stuff in a way that. It's very difficult to find other places in the world. And I can assure you that I have traveled a lot around the world. And with this, let's say, moment, it's something unique. While I'm saying that, at the same, you can go and there are, there are let's say, very local uh, uh, little uh, parties that we make, obviously, for for these people. At least this, this island lives here 145,000 people. So... Yes, it's it's a little, let's say, village, but not such uh, little as people uh, might uh, understand. So constantly uh, it comes here, uh, expats of the whole world that they come here in Christmas, they uh, 
join here with uh, little spots in San Rafael and in other places of the island like San Antonio or Santa Eulalia that uh, there is a good mood, a very good mood. Of course, Christmas doesn't always go to plan. People can feel far from home, fall out with their families, be unwell, make the wrong decisions and have all sorts of things go wrong. Nanny Shars, for example, celebrity nanny to the stars, had a nasty bug in Jamaica. Singer-songwriter Foy Vance hated spending Christmas in Lanzarote. Greg abandoned the abandoned places explorer and what a great episode that was. He had a Christmas romance go wrong in a London nightclub. And a former Big Brother star, Pete Bennett, I had a brilliant time when he came round to my house, uh, remembers Christmas in the Caribbean with his mum and a drunk Santa and a bad buffet. Hi, my name is Sharda Lambert, also known as Nanny Shars, and I'm a childcare expert and international nanny. I have a great experience at Christmas because it's my sister's birthday. So it's always party, party, party for us, our family. We have loads of food. We have British and Jamaican breakfasts and I just eat until my heart's content. And then we party for the whole night, which I absolutely love. But I had a very bad experience at Christmas one day. I was working abroad as a travel nanny and the whole family got a stomach bug. So I ate pasta in my room and watched my family on Skype and just cried. (laughs) So, yeah, that's been my two experiences. I prefer the first um, because I love being around my family. But, yeah, just tr- try not to spend Christmas alone because it's, it's not the best thing. What was what country were you in? Were I was in, in Oman. I was in Oman and everyone got the travel bug, even the children. I was the only one that didn't. So shout out to my immune system. But, yeah. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everyone. This is Foy Vance here on the Big Travel Podcast here to tell you about my Christmas travel story, which is when I was 23, I moved to Lanzarote for a year and that incorporated Christmas. And I toyed with the idea of going back to back home where it would be nice and uh, cold and chilly and Christmas trees and fires and all that crack. But I decided to stay uh, in the sunshine. Um, and the long, tall and short of it is it was terrible. Don't ever, don't ever, <laughs> don't ever do Christmas. Christmas is about the fires and the hot toddies. Sitting on a beach on Christmas Day really did suck. Merry Christmas, everybody. My name is Greg Abandoned, and I explore abandoned places all around uh, the world. And I would like to tell you a Christmas story that happened to me about six or seven years ago. Um, I was uh, I was in London, and this was, this was the first Christmas by myself. I just got divorced, and somehow I managed to get a date <laughs> during during Christmas. Uh, maybe it was twenty six, and I remember this was around Leicester Square somewhere. I went went out, and this date was going pretty well. Up until she said to me would you fancy going clubbing or like dancing? So I thought to myself like, oh, wait a second. Oh yeah, she wants to spend more time with me. So yeah, like, yeah, I can do that. Sure. I mean, it's going great. Like if she wants to spend more time with me, it's going great. So <clears throat> I, um, I'm, I'm walking uh, with her and I remember, I can't remember exactly remember what was the name of the club, but I remember about 10 meters before we went to this club, she said that this is a trans club. 
like, uh, you know, for, um, like drag queens, things like that. And I, obviously I have nothing to like against people like whoever, right. It's just, I was curious about like, why would she pick that from all of the places? Like, why would we go there? It, because, you know, it, it is unusual, right? It, like it is an unusual place to, to take someone on like the first date when you just met that person. So I was thinking to myself, Back when I was 20, before all the dating apps and everything, my friend and I, when we used to live in Manchester on Canal Street, this was the time when you wanted to speak or pick up a woman, you would actually go to gay clubs because we would hold hands, walk to a gay club because that's where like women would go there to feel safe and they, they would be like, oh, this is the time when no guy will come up to me and start chatting me up. I just want to spend time with my girls. And so we would, we knew that and we would like, okay, let's go to gay, like gay club. And then we do that <clears throat> unsuccessfully, obviously. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, um, and then um, fast forward 13, 14 years later, I'm in this situation and I, uh, am, so I'm, we're going down to this, um, to, to going down downstairs to this club. And at that time I was, I, I just got divorced. I was, uh, I, I was with a person for 12 years. So I have, n I had so many insecurities. I didn't know if like anyone would find me attractive. I just, I was overthinking everything. I was analyzing so much in, in my head that I remember she was talking to me, but I felt like I had, I'm wearing headphones and, and, and music was so loud that I was having my own conversation with, with myself and she was just talking to me. So I couldn't hear really what she was saying. And I just nodded and I was saying, yes, yes, yes. And at some stage, I think maybe she uh, realized that I um, was a little bit off. So she just grabbed my hand and took me to the dance floor. And we already, in that previous place, we already had like four or five beers. So when we got there, I was already sober. I was already sober. This like the, uh, because I started thinking, wait a second, maybe she had like a sex operation. Maybe she <laughs> is a man or was a man. Right. And I was like, oh, um, that's not something I want to find out. <laughs> because you should tell this other person if that's the case, you should tell them, right? Like at least that's something you should tell. But again, it, probably not. I just like, I'm just so like in my head overthinking this. So, okay, I'm now already sober. There's no, uh, alcohol doesn't affect me. I'm, and when I, when I'm sober, I cannot dance. I'm just like cutting <laughs> shapes with my legs, essentially. And she is, there's R&B music, Alicia Keys, whatever, something is going on. And then she's just dancing next to me and I just know what's going to happen. I know it because, you know, like, like I, I would do this sometimes. Like I would, you know, go on dates. And when you go to like clubs and stuff, like this is like where people get a little bit closer. Sure. Mm -hmm. So um, I knew that this kiss was coming and the inside Greg was really freaking out. It, it was just, I, I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And um, at some point, her face got really close to me and swear to God, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. It was just my body just reacted. My body just, I, I just, I, I was not in control. It was just like a defense mechanism. So 
my hand just went forward and I pushed her, like I touched her, uh, uh, not arms, but like shoulders. And I just pushed her away. And my mouth just went like, are you a man? (laughs) And she just got so mad, so mad. Started obviously throwing profanities at me and (laughs) grabbed her purse and just stormed out. And I've never seen her again. I texted her <laughs> later on. And I just, I just tried to explain myself. I tried to explain. I just like, I said that I needed to know why that kind of stuff. Like I was like a little bit insecure. I was really dumb. That kind of stuff. Like I know wherever, like, I don't know what I was thinking. Um, but um, it was the old, old ghosting situation. I've never heard from her again. So technically, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe she was. So I think that was probably know. a no. I think that was probably a no. I, I think so. I think so. I think I was just stupid. Yeah. I'm loving the Christmas date story. It's brilliant. What was her name, by the way? Oh, God. I don't know. I think it was Lisa. <laughs> Lisa, it's a great name. If you're out there, I'm, let us know. I, I'm going to go with Lisa, yeah. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> Hi, it's me, Pete Bennett. Um, Christmas story. Right, so the last... Uh, I went, you know, my mum lives in Martinique in the Caribbean. I went up there uh, for Christmas. Whee! And uh, let's just say, um, uh, Father Christmas is black. <laughs> yeah, he's a black guy, you know? He's got a great big white beard, red thing, but he's black. He's like, what? I was like, yes, Dad. He's a, he's, he's, I was like, it's the first time I've seen a black... Father Christmas, you know what I mean? I've never seen one before. Um, <laughs> and, um, yeah, I don't know. They were, it was a strange Christmas dinner. I mean, I went to this, went to this uh, I can't even, uh, I don't even know what it was. It was food, but it wasn't really food. It was just, I don't know. Uh, it was the, uh, I, don't <laughs> I can't even explain it, really. Uh, no. Well, we went to a, I, don't know, I think it was like you pay for uh, all you can drink and all you can eat kind of Christmas for uh party whatever in this caribbean resort uh but it's it was the most tackiest <laughs> like literally crappy cheesiest dump ever and like you know obviously black father christmas walks in he's off his nut he's pissed out of his head he's like like, he's like you know what i mean staggering about and uh he's sitting on his chair and then he's like <laughs> and he's like uh, uh all, all the kids have to line up to get a present off him um, uh, and you know his beard's hanging off, and he's not even fat. You know what I mean? Uh, but then he's um, handing out what was handing out presents, I think. And I think it was there were biros or something. <laughs> uh, but we paid lots of money for this kind of adventure to meet to meet Father Christmas. But um, did you get a biro? I got a biro. Yeah, I was Yay. well up for Christmas biro, man. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Christmas, Daisy Biro. Yeah, I've still got it. Um, I can't remember what else. We we, we made to, we got made to eat like all this the the, the pre made food. But oh my god. Caribbeans haven't um, really sussed out how to cook yet. You know, I've been to a lot of restaurants in, in, in Martinique and my God, like the only thing they've really sussed out is chicken colombo, which is a curry, which is gorgeous. And I've got loads of uh, powder. I love it. But um, ev- anything else is just mushy crap they have no idea how to cook you know what i mean it's just <laughs> unreal shit all caribbeans no but crap not 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 in martinique in martinique, in martinique yeah. i've not had a nice meal in martinique i want to go to the places where you know because i love caribbean food here you go to the caribbean place and you like 
you know, I mean, it's gorgeous and it's really nice, but in my league, it's just, it's just not, it's just not as good as it is here. It's like, how can it not be as good? It's just, just total shit. So we had a really bad kind of mash up Christmas dinner with, uh, with, it was like these, like, just like big uh, silver square uh, trays. You know, you go to uh, school and you get dinner lady handing out. That's what it was. Like, <laughs> as I basically, it's dinner lady, like splodging on like, whatever it was on, on our plate and it was just mushy cack and, and I don't know what it was man because everything tasted just wrong you know and, and then and then and then the drinks were just like cheap cheap alcohol we you know we drink all you like but it was the cheapest of cheap alcohol and Father Christmas was off his nut um <laughs> Um, Happy bloody Christmas! And it, you know, I mean, it was it was definitely uh, not not the Christmas side. There was no snow, there was no reindeers, and there was you know there wasn't any. It's weird. It's really weird being in a hot country when it's Christmas because uh, there's no snow, and you know I, I you know you know if there's no snow or cold, it's not really it doesn't feel Christmassy. It's red hot, you know, and um, <laughs> it just doesn't work. You know, there's Christmas trees. They put up and it just doesn't. It just it just looks weird, you know. It doesn't anyway. I can't really say. But oh, that was bad. I mean, other, other Christmases have been great. I just go and see my mum usually in France and uh, and have Christmas with her. And that's it, really. Cool. And but, but Nan, but Nan, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That's, that's great. That's no, it's wonderful. <laughs> Thank I don't know. It's only quite a boring story. No, but. it was good. Don't worry. <laughs> For many people, including our guests here on the podcast, the break over Christmas might also be a time to try something different. We've got Instagram expert and coach Sarah Tasker, who likes nothing more than a traditional Christmas at home in the UK, but is now considering her French getaway. Gallery director Simon Martin wanting to try an alternative Christmas in Cuba. Author Trevor Dolby in the south of France in a tiny little village. And safari expert Will Bolsover remembering a Christmas in Marrakesh. Hi, I'm Sarah Tasker and I am a coach and Instagram expert. And I don't think I've ever traveled for Christmas. I think the reason being that so much of what feels Christmassy to me is rooted in the traditions and repeating the same things year after year. So I live now in West Yorkshire and things like there's a local Christmas tree farm where we go and pick our tree and they hack it down with an axe for us and then drive it back to our house on the top of our car. Um, wishing for snow and the places we go and buy and the food that we eat and the kind of cold nights drawing in and the twinkly lights, all of that feels so essentially Christmassy. I can't imagine having it somewhere else, but maybe, maybe in France. I have a house in France now and I think a French Christmas might be equally magical. I'm Simon Martin and I'm the director of Pallant House Gallery. In terms of a Christmas anecdote, I mean, so often I have spent it uh, with family. Um, but actually, a few years ago, I decided uh, I wanted to do something completely different. So I went with some friends to Cuba and um, it felt like such a rebellious thing to do because, of course, you're going on the other, you know, almost near the equator and um, to this incredibly tropical place. And actually, um, what was brilliant is on... on Christmas Eve, um, uh, one of the friends who's Spanish managed to get lobster. To, so we had lobster for dinner. And I took out a, uh, a Christmas pudding from Fortnum and Mason's and, and tinned custard and crackers. And um, uh, there was a Cuban drag queen who was staying in the same place who also came for dinner. It was quite random. Um, who was 
completely freaked out by the crackers and thought they were explosives. And I, I'm not quite sure how I got them on the plane, actually. I shouldn't, I shouldn't, I shouldn't say this publicly. Um, but um, then on actual Christmas Day, we went to the, um, whatever it's called, the Hotel National, and sat by the pool and had burgers. And it was brilliant. I loved it so much because it was, you know, so unlike all of those kind of traditions and everything that you do. I mean, I love Christmas, but actually sometimes stepping out of it refreshes the whole thing um and i think that day we can we took one of those old um i can't remember the name of the car but we you know one of those vintage cars around the city and it was just just brilliant my book's one plaster l'eglise and i'm trevor dolby christmas in the south of france well um little villages um like the one we're in cosevent um just after christmas they have a fete party which is their New Year's party combined with the Christmas party and it's usually on New Year's Day and the first one of these we went to was many years ago and it was an utter revelation to us Um, you go into the salon and uh, there's usually three quarters of the village there and there's food and there's wine and everybody is sort of greeting each other salut, ça va and there's a stage. And when everything quiets down, um, on the stage comes the mayor, who gives a little speech about the state of the village from the previous year, the state of the finances, and so on. And then all the deputies come on, and they stand in a little semicircle, and they're introduced, and all their friends boo them, and anybody who doesn't know them claps. And some people shout, as they would in England, get off, go on, you're rubbish, and all this sort of thing. And they all sit there very, stand there very awkwardly. But the big thing they're waiting for is the cabaret. And the cabaret is just something to be seen. The mayor and his deputies troop off the stage and suddenly the lights go down and the music starts. And I always thought, it, it, it sounds like... Remember in um, one of those Bond films when they, they, there was a funeral, I can't remember, it was Live and Let Die, and it's this in, in the Caribbean and they're coming around the corner and it's... Da, 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 this sort of gubrious thing. And um, that music starts up and there's nothing, it's dark. And then suddenly the lights blaze on and the music goes into a full-blown jazz belter. And on the side of the stage, three, four women, four women figures start to walk out slowly whilst this music's going crazy. And they're in black capes and they've got hoods on and they walk out really slowly, one after the other. And you don't know what on earth is going to happen. And they get to the front and they all four, four of them... Um, sharply turn and face the audience and the music stops and there's a beat of one two three and suddenly the music belts up again the lights come on they throw off these capes and underneath there's four women stockings suspenders headpieces full moulin rouge with nipple tassels the whole bit this is a in the rural front everybody goes crazy all the blokes suddenly have cameras all the women are smacking their husbands around the head for looking too hard the kids are at the front dancing like crazy and they, this goes on for about two hours it's a proper full blown moulin everybody gets drunk and falls over and the mayor gets dragged on one of the girls 
ran down to the front of the stage, grabs the mayor, puts a feather bow around his neck, drags him on stage and starts dancing. It's just complete madness. At the end of the evening, of course, everybody is bonded over this and everybody disappears into the dark night with the stars coming in the cold, you know, humming tunes, staggering away until the next year. So that's my Christmas in Cusivelle. My name is Will Bolsover from Natural World Safaris and just thinking about where I've spent Christmas abroad um, probably would be out in Morocco and that was in uh, Marrakesh when I was leading trips out there and uh, that was in a little hotel called, it was just off Jamal Fnar, the main square where all the souks and everything are which is uh, it's quite a buzz and aroma and everything, it's quite exciting and Hotel Alley was where I was and that was our sort of base and it was pretty, pretty rough hotel to be honest with you but that's what the staging point and it had a roof terrace as well and I can remember sitting up on the roof by myself on Christmas day having a beer looking out over the square there over Jungle Fnar and then um, it was years later as well I was out in Morocco with my son and I was like oh let's just go and see if we can find this hotel where we used to work from and Hotel Ali is still there it's still the same and still a bizarre little place but fantastic wherever you are this Christmas I truly hope you have a wonderful one and indeed a very, very happy new year full of friends, family, fun and lots and lots of travels. Thank you so much for being such lovely listeners throughout the year and continuing to support the Big Travel Podcast. Lots of love from me, Lisa Francesca Nand and editor Alex George, as well as all our guests. Merry Christmas and a happy new year. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip (laughs) off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel-Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.